Um, Carl's message this morning is a life of trusting God and he will be preaching on Psalm 23. So can I invite Gu Sum forward and he will read to us Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. 그가 나를 푸른 초장에 누이시며 쉴만한 물가로 인도하시는도다. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 내 영혼을 소생시키고 자기 이름을 위하여 의의 길로 인도하시는도다. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 내가 사망의 음침한 골짜기로 다닐지라도 해를 두려워하지 않을 것은 주께서 나와 함께 하심이라 주의 지팡이와 막대기가 나를 안위하시나이다. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 주께서 내 원수의 목전에서 내게 상을 차려주시고 기름을 내 머리에 부르셨으니 내 잔이 넘치나이다. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 내 평생의 선하심과 인자하심이 반드시 나를 따르리니 내가 여호와의 집에 영원히 살리로다. Surely goodness and love will follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Before I begin, uh, I just thought uh, I forgot before to pray actually to, for Luke and Emily, so I'm going I'm to do that now uh, because I forgot to do it before and I feel remiss about that. So why don't we just pray now for Luke and Emily and not just Asher. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Lord Heavenly Father, we just want to uh, take a moment uh, aside again uh, to pray for Luke and Emily and their task as parents and Lord we just pray that you would strengthen them in that task and, and Lord they made uh, promises this morning that they would uh, seek to bring Asher up in the knowledge of you and of uh, your son Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you would grant them your grace so that they might be able to do that. Father, we pray too that as a community of people who trust in you that you would enable us as well to do all that we can to, to help them in that task uh, and Lord to, uh, to show uh, in our lives and through our words to show to Asher uh, the faith that we have in Christ as well. Father, as we come to your words now, we pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding and most of all, Lord, that you would help us to trust uh, in Jesus Christ and to know him and to love him with all our hearts. We ask it in his name. Amen. Well, back to the, uh, to the task at hand, which is Psalm 23. And thank you, dear Psalm, for reading that uh, in both Korean uh, and English as well, and and now hearing uh, the uh, the Korean, I understand a little bit why you say that English is uh, so hard to understand when I speak so quickly, because Korean to me sounds like it's very fast uh, as well. If uh, 
even if this is your first time in church this morning, uh, it's probably not the first time that you would have heard Psalm 23. Uh, it's one of those parts of the Bible which often comes out in, uh, in funerals and whether you've heard it in a real life funeral or whether you've just heard it in a funeral on a film or a, or a movie, uh, you've probably come across uh, Psalm 23 b- before. Well, I want to spend a few uh, some moments this morning uh, thinking about this psalm and working through it and trying to understand what it teaches us about life if we, uh, if we trust in Jesus. David begins this uh, incredible psalm with a very simple but a very powerful expression of faith. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, if you don't know David, David was uh, the king of Israel and before he was king, he was a shepherd uh, and he was, uh, he'd kind of grown up, I guess, in that job. Uh, he'd been a shepherd for a long time and he knew the business uh, of looking after sheep. And he takes that metaphor of a shepherd and caring for sheep and he applies it and he uses it to describe how God looks after the people uh, who look to him for help. David is effectively saying, he's my shepherd, God is my shepherd, he's leading me, he's looking after me and I trust him. And then in the rest of the psalm he he tries to unpack the implications of that. When David wrote this psalm uh, he was working with the revelation that God had given up to that point in history. Uh, So up to that point God had revealed himself but he hadn't revealed himself as we know him now as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So David speaks about the Lord in general, the Lord is my shepherd, God is my shepherd. But for us on this side of the cross, on this side of Jesus coming to earth, we know that that David's expression of trust and of faith has narrowed, if you like, to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So as we go through this psalm this morning, from our vantage point we can take David's expression of trust in God as his shepherd and apply it more specifically to trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And in fact we need to do that. We need to move from the general to the specific trust in Jesus Christ because that's what God calls us to do. God says in the Gospel of John that unless we accept Jesus we don't know the Father either. And so we need to entrust our lives to Jesus the Good Shepherd. In that regard, the opening half line of this psalm is crucial. David says, or he doesn't say rather, this is a good shepherd. The Lord is a good shepherd. He doesn't say the Lord is the shepherd of his people, but he says the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, not someone else's shepherd, but mine. I trust him. I believe in him. The statements that this psalm makes about what Jesus does as a shepherd in the rest of the psalm are only statements which are true for people who believe and trust in Jesus, people who trust Jesus and ask him to save them from their sin. So as we go through this psalm this morning, as we look at the implications that come out of the Lord is my shepherd, as we work that out, please don't take on the comforts of this psalm, don't take on those implications unless Jesus really is your shepherd and you trust him. If he isn't your shepherd, if you don't trust him, then please understand from this psalm 
the reasons why you should trust him and why you should ask him to be your shepherd. Having said that though, this psalm isn't about how that comes to be. This psalm isn't about how, what does it mean to, to uh, or, or how I should say, how do, how do I make the Lord my shepherd? The psalm isn't about that. Really the second half of the, of the first verse tells us what this psalm is about. David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Well literally, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing. That is, David says, this is the one defining ramification of Jesus being my shepherd. It is that I lack nothing. That's the central theme of this psalm. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. There is nothing that you need that you do not have if the Lord is your shepherd. Let me say that again. There is nothing which you need that you do not have if the Lord is your shepherd. David says, because the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So what does that mean? What does it mean that I lack nothing? Well, the rest of the psalm unpacks that, what it means to lack nothing. And there are six things uh, which I want to really briefly run through uh, as we go through this psalm. The first thing that David says is, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. That is like a shepherd leads his sheep uh, to food and to water. The image here is of a shepherd who provides sustenance for his sheep. But the image is not just of dregs, right? It's not, uh, you know, David doesn't say, the Lord is my shepherd. He, he leads me to sort of brownish green meadows uh, and kind of, you know, mostly quiet waters that are only slightly putrid. No, he says he leads me to green pastures, doesn't he? And quiet waters. They're luscious, they're green, they're still in their quiet waters. It's a picture of rich and wonderful provision that God provides. It's not only a picture of, uh, of, of refreshment uh, and of food, it's also a picture of rest. The sheep lie down in rich and bountiful pastures. Uh, the, it literally says instead of quiet waters, it says waters of rest. They're waters where these sheep, where these people can find rest and restoration of life. He restores my soul, says David. I think in, in trying to come to terms with this, and what God is saying here, we need to understand more clearly the, the, uh, the imagery of a shepherd leading his flock. We need to understand in particular the imagery of a shepherd leading his flock through various kinds of places. You see, in the first few verses of this psalm, the shepherd is leading the flock through good places, through green pastures, through still waters. But in verse 4 we kind of get the other side that along this same journey there's not just good places, there's dark places, there's dangerous places. Verse 4 talks about the valley of the shadow of death. So whatever lacking nothing is, it's broad enough to include both rich pastures and the valley of the shadow of death. Whatever lacking nothing is, it's broad enough to include both rich pastures and the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, in the overall context of this psalm, 
the picture here is one of both sustenance and difficulty. The idea isn't that Jesus uh, provides this sustenance at every moment of life, such that life can be described as kind of never-ending bliss, but the picture is that Jesus provides in such a way that we never lack anything that we need. At the right time along the journey of following Jesus, he leads us to green pastures and tells us to lie down and to find rest. He leads us to the edge of still waters where we can drink and he revives our tired and weary souls and he gives us sustenance that we need to keep going. It's a bit of a dumb question, I suppose, but have you ever felt exhausted in following Christ? Have you ever felt unable to go on? Have you ever felt so tired that you you wonder whether you can finish the race? Have you ever felt starved of spiritual insight, like a veil was brought down over your eyes and and as you read the Bible it, it didn't speak? Have you ever felt thirsty for the knowledge of God and and hungry for food, for spiritual food, for life and felt unable to find it? David says, I lack nothing because God provided for me precisely when I needed it. David isn't saying that you'll go out this week and that you'll find the rest and the restoration that you're looking for. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that when you need it, Jesus will give it to you. He's saying if you don't have it now, it must be because Jesus doesn't think that you really need it. I think we can be truly saved. I think we can truly believe in Jesus for salvation and yet so fail to apprehend what David is saying here about the implications of Jesus being our shepherd that we live life in this kind of constant state of anxiety and spiritual depression. Can I go on? Can I go on in the Christian life? David says, of course you can go on. Of course you can go on because if Jesus is your shepherd... You lack nothing and he's leading you to exactly the rest that you need at precisely the right time. To be quite blunt, Jesus isn't an idiot. He's not dumb. How stupid to think that we know what we need and that he doesn't. We think we know ourselves better than he does. But he knows us better than we know ourselves. And here is the incredible truth. If you trust in him, he will give you the rest and refreshment that you need precisely when you need it. You see that with kids, don't you, right? You you know, uh, parents do the same thing with kids. Kids are like, I can't can't go on. You know, my life is over. Uh, I, I... I just need a, I need a drink now. I can't take another step unless I unless you give me a drink. You know, and the parents go, actually, you know what? I don't think you're that close to, to dying. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll have a drink when we get to the other end. You know, but in the meantime, just trust me. 
And that's what David is saying about our relationship with Jesus. You know, we're, we're all the time thinking, I can't go on, my life is over. And David is saying, no, Jesus knows what you need. You just have to trust him. Trust that you can make it, you know, to the end of this, this difficulty and come out the other side alive. So first, uh, the first thing is Jesus provides us with rest and refreshment at the, at the time that we need it. But second, Jesus also leads us in paths of righteousness. In the second half of verse 3, David says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That is, God was not only leading David to this refreshment and this rest, but he was leading him in the right way. He was leading him in the way which reflected and exemplified God's character. True believers are people who, uh, whom Jesus is leading will be able to testify to the reality of what David is saying here. It's not, back, it's not that they'll look back at their lives or at their lives in the present and say, aha, I'm perfect, isn't that wonderful? But they'll be able to look at their lives and say, yes, I can see that Jesus is leading me in paths of righteousness. I can, I can see that before I was in one condition spiritually and now I'm in another. I can see that I've grown. I'm not the same person that I was you know, a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago. In some ways, sometimes it's an unconscious transformation, isn't it? You, know, you don't set out to turn over a new leaf, but you find, looking back a year later, that, that suddenly your life has changed, that you love people that you never loved before, that you've grown disinterested in stuff that before used to captivate your heart. People whom Jesus is leading can say, in the same way that John Newton said, though I'm not what I ought to be, nor what I wish to be, nor what I hope to be, I can truly say I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan. And I can heartily join with the Apostle and acknowledge, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Jesus leads his people in paths of righteousness. And if he's done it in the past, he'll do it again in the future. On the other hand, there are people uh, who after professing Christian belief for 20 years will still be the same bitter person they were 20 years ago, harbouring the same grudges, exhibiting the same fits of rage, exhibiting the same lack of self-control, exhibiting the same self-love and lovelessness towards others. That person, according to David's psalm, is not led by Jesus, whatever they might think. Because David says, the Lord leads his people in paths of righteousness. So if Jesus is our shepherd, we lack nothing in that he provides rest and refreshment and in that he provides uh, and leads us in paths of righteousness. But the next thing that we find uh, is that if Jesus is our shepherd, he's with us in the very worst of places. David expresses his trust that God would be with him and comfort him however bad it gets. So in verse 4 he says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The valley of the shadow of death is the word that you use in Hebrew when you can't think of anything worse. You know, It's kind of the absolute worst word that you can come across or think of. It's as bad as it gets. It doesn't always have to refer to death, but it's certainly picking up on the idea that death is kind of the, the last great enemy. It's the most frightening reality of life and to live in a long, dark shadow of death 
is to be in the worst place imaginable. And yet David can say that as he goes through the worst imaginable place, through the darkest and most terrifying experiences of life, he says, I lack nothing. I fear no evil. How could he say that? The answer is in the second half of verse 4. For you are with me. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Don Carson uh, tells the story uh, of a friend of his who died uh, in his arms. He'd been visiting him and staying with this friend who was dying, this friend was dying of cancer and he was with him for the last 48 hours of his life. He held his hand and he accompanied him for those 48 hours. But as he took his last dying breath, he couldn't go with him. He'd been with him for 48 hours, but in that last breath, his friend had to go without him. But Jesus, his saviour, could take that last final trip with him. There are places, are there not, in this life where no one else can go with us. There's no friend sometimes who can go with us in the dark places that we have to go and death, I guess, is the most profound example of that. But David says, whatever the darkness, whatever the... The tragedy, whatever it is, I will not fear because you are with me. If we know Jesus, he's with us and he can go with us to places that no one else can go. I think actually that's one of the most powerful things that Satan can use against us, not that truth but the lie that that isn't true. Satan says, doesn't he, you're alone. No one knows what you're going through. It's too dark, it's too terrible, it's too awful. They won't understand. But David says, no, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. He expands on that thought in the next line, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was like a cudgel that the the shepherd used to carry around to to beat off uh, wolves and and, and lions and things like that. Uh, He also used it to club the sheep from time to time when they were being a bit wayward. Uh, He uh, had the staff as well and the staff was like that classic shepherd staff that uh, we'll begin to see more and more in the lead up to Christmas, the uh, the staff with the hook on the end that he could use to kind of you know, keep the sheep in line. Together those things were the way that the shepherd protected the sheep. It's hardly a comfort, is it, to know that Jesus is with us uh, in the dark places of life if he can't protect us and guide us. But that's what David is saying. It's his, Jesus' presence with us is comforting because it's a guiding and a protecting presence. I will fear no evil... For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So we've seen that Jesus is our shepherd uh, and that we lack nothing because he provides rest and refreshment, because he leads us in paths of righteousness and because even in the worst places in life, uh, he's with us. 
The next thing that we see is that if Jesus is our shepherd, he's leading us to a victory banquet. David says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Can I make, a, uh, can I make a, something of a confession here? I've, uh, I've always wanted, uh, harboured sort of a secret desire to put on old clothes with a bottle of olive oil and to, <laughs> and to go out the back and to pour olive oil over my head just to see what it felt like. Because in the Bible, they, that image is used all the time of like a really fantastic experience. And I, I, <laughs> I struggle to believe that it could be. Uh, it just it seems awfully sticky. Uh, and it's kind of a bit greasy. But, but maybe their oil was kind of lighter weight than we use today. I'm not sure. I think it was. But, but that, yeah, that olive oil idea, the anointing with oil, is always kind of the idea of a... It's a celebration. It's part of joy and festivity. It's, it's a great honour to be anointed with oil. You would do that to your, to your honoured guest. Perhaps next time someone comes around, I'll uh, bring out the olive oil and, yeah, yeah, come on in. <laughs> Here's the oil. Welcome. But... Uh, but, but that's the idea. It's the idea of the, this, this anointing with oil. There's, there's a picture of a cup overflowing. It's like the image is, is, is almost of this cup which, which never empties. It's, kind of, it's just bubbling forth. It's kind of overflowing all the time. There's this, uh, there's this table being set and being spread before David. Uh, it's, this, it's this picture of a celebration banquet but it's not just a celebration, it's, it's a banquet prepared in the presence of my enemies, says David. David has won the battle because the Lord has won the battle for him uh, and as his enemies watch him, he's feasting. You know, he's, he's getting the oil and the cup and, and, and this amazing feast. His enemies watch on as he celebrates. I think in the overall sort of flow of the psalm, what David is, is sort of picking up on is he's He's saying, look, on the other side of this valley of the shadow of death, there's, there's a celebration. He's saying, I might face terrible darkness, but I know that you're with me, and I know that on the other side of that, there's going to be this great banquet, there's going to be this amazing celebration, there's going to be victory, and there's going to seem to be victory. That's obviously true in an ultimate sense, isn't it? Uh, on the other side of our last enemy death, there is a great banquet. The Bible promises that. There will be the most unimaginable celebration that you can ever imagine. But it's true in a more immediate sense as well. On the other side of the dark valleys that we face in life, on the other side of the dark valleys that Jesus leads us through, there's another side, isn't there? There is often a new kind of joy, a new kind of trust in God, a new kind of love for him. On the other side of darkness, there's often celebration and rejoicing in God's kindness and his goodness. And so David says, even though I'm going through some really dark places, I know you're with me and I know that on the other side it'll be good. You know, and that keeps me going. It keeps me going when it's hard because I know that on the other side it's going to be good. It's going to be better than good. It's going to be fantastic. 
So we've seen that Jesus is our shepherd and that we lack nothing because he's leading us to this great victory banquet. The last thing that we see is that if Jesus is our shepherd, there's an unavoidable goodness, if that's a word, an unavoidable goodness that goes with us forever. I think this, uh, the last verse really summarises the whole psalm. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You almost get the idea, I think, in this verse that love and goodness are like hounds pursuing him. They're so sort of close and they're so guaranteed that he can't get away from them. You know, nowhere he goes can he get away from the love and the goodness of God. He can't get away from them, again, because God is always with him. That is, if Jesus is your shepherd, he'll do good to you and show you mercy as he leads you through this life and nothing can take you away from that goodness. They are like hounds pursuing you. Nowhere can you go to get away from the goodness and the love of God. I think the fundamental thing to to sort of grasp here is that the goodness and the mercy which David is speaking of is not a distant reality. It's not kind of, he's not saying, look, in the future you'll know goodness and in the future you'll know love. He's saying, no, now you know it. They're pursuing you even now. We don't have to wait. We have them now because right now, if you trust in Jesus, he's your shepherd and you lack nothing that you need. It might not feel like that, but that's the truth. That's the truth. You might feel like you lack everything, but the truth is, says David, you lack nothing. Everything that you need, you have. Because Jesus is your shepherd. I think there's an enormous gap between the first half of verse 1 and the second half. Between the first half of verse 1 and everything that follows. I think that Jesus can really and truly be your shepherd and yet you totally fail to apprehend the implications of that in your life. But I think that one of the ways that we show ourselves to really be people who trust in Jesus is that when we hear these words in Psalm 23, we receive them and we believe them. We look at our life and we look at the words of God and we say, no, I will not believe the lie that there is something that I need that I don't have. No, I I won't believe that. I will believe God's words that if Jesus is my shepherd, I lack nothing. We find in that fresh trust in Jesus Christ. We hear these words and we let go of our worries, we let go of our anxieties and we trust that if Jesus is leading us, we lack nothing. And in doing that, we assure ourselves as well that we really do trust in Jesus Christ. This is the sentiment of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, every one of us uh, knows undoubtedly that life can be very hard and very difficult and Lord, some of us know that more acutely than others. And yet, Lord, this psalm challenges us to view life in a different light, in the light of your care and your leading and your love. Lord, this psalm challenges us to believe that if we trust in Jesus, there is nothing that we need which we do not have. Lord, whatever position that we're in, we ask that you would help us to believe that and to trust in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.